what's up you guys welcome back to me and you tv reviews i am your host mo and today we will be discussing mike episode six titled jailbird okay y'all this one shouldn't be as rough but this is the follow-up to um the outcome of what happened but you know when he went to court for Desiree's accusations of rape and he was found guilty of all counts okay so Mike is back where everyone said that he would always end up y'all he's in jail and this time it's for six years and so he went back in when he was 25 um and so this time when he goes in he wants to make sure that everybody knows how dominant he is that he's not going to be taken for a punk like he's going to insert his dominance and so he he mentions that he initially had a bunkie named ray ray and when he goes in you know mike is uh you know coming into <laughs> coming into the cell and ray is just like you know what's up mike and Mike just takes all of his stuff off the top bunk, tosses it like covers, pillow, pictures, all of it. He was he was real messed up for how he did him when he first came in. And so, you know, after that, <laughs> they actually their their relationship became a lot better after that. And so he tells us that Bunky Ray. That's what I'm going to call him uh, this episode. Bunky Ray always stressed to him that he needed to figure out what his next plan was going to be when he got released. Um, but while he was in there, he needed to read books and get educated. And do you know what Mike's response was to that man? He's just trying to put some good spirits in you, just trying to encourage you, keep you uplifted while you're going through this hard time in your life. His response to Bunky Ray was F you. Yeah, that's where Mike was in his life. And so, like I said, that's because he just felt like he had to insert some dominance, you know, so nobody would try to punk him out while he was in there. And so the next scene just shows him just being so overly rude to some of the other inmates, right? And so he's like, throwing food in the inmate's face, disturbing the food. Like, he just he just doing the most. And so this one guy stands up, and he calls him a tree jumper. Do y'all know what a tree jumper is? Because I didn't, right? And so <laughs> President Mike asked the guy in the audience what he thought a tree jumper was, right? And so, of course, he asked a random old white guy. And he just, like, said something real racial-like. Um, and so some of the audience is looking at him like, what the hell? <laughs> and Mike is like, you know what? Because of what you said, I should kick your ass right now. Because he said something along the lines of, like, being a monkey and just, like, jumping off. And Mike was like, I should whoop your ass right now. But no, that's not what that means. A tree jumper is a nickname for a racist, uh, rapist. And so, you know, he had no idea what the nickname meant at the time. But, of course, it just gave him another reason 
for him to release some of that pent up anger. And so he beat the hell out that man. And so as a result, he got thrown in solitary, right? And so, of course, it was rough on him. And he tells us that because, you know, when he went in, he wasn't in the best mental place to begin with. And when you go in solitary, of course, that just makes it worse. You're in a hole for 23 hours a day. Like there's no sunlight. You know, you only have human interaction with other people for for an hour. You just stuck there with your thoughts, you know, so it's solitary is to break you down it's not it's not to rehabilitate anybody that's just to break break the mind and the spirit right and so um it was rough for him and so then he started receiving all this mail right and so the mail that he received that encouraged him and that was probably the only thing that kept him going while he was in solitary and so it goes through this whole montage of fan mail where this one girl she's in her room and she looks like she's probably a teenager and she's telling mike you know stay strong we love you mike you got this right and so then another letter um is just showing a lady she's outside protesting you know trash talking desiree and how she just wants to bring another black man down and get him caught up in the system this that and the third and so then the last one that they show is actually alan dershowitz right saying that he's gonna go after desiree for for perjury and so mike mike makes a joke to the crowd um about him in comparison to don king right and so then um he says that he really lost hope after he lost his appeal. And so him losing the appeal just made him really start thinking about some things. And so he, when he came out of solitary, he asked his bunkie Ray, you know, could he borrow his copy of the Constitution? So this is where we start to see Mike start making those mental, uh, those mental pivots, right, in his behaviors. Um, and so hopefully he's on the path to, uh, to do right now. And so we, we go back over to present Mike and he tells us, you know, that he didn't have a lot of people instilling hope in him. So it was really hard for him to ever believe what they were telling him, you know, when people were trying to keep him encouraged. And so of course the negative people, you know, and their thoughts basically just like lived in his head rent free. Um, and so he just was always very negative and dubious of what people would tell him when they tried to encourage him. And so he mentioned some of the things that were going on in the nineties, like the war on drugs. And then it shows, um, George W H Bush. I think that's the first one. Mm-hmm. It should be the first one. I don't know. He was a president like right when I was born. So I don't know. And so it shows him. And according to Mike, that was the the reason that Bunky Ray ended up getting locked up because he got caught up out there, you know, being a street pharmacist or whatever. And so Bunky Ray ended up getting like a super outlandish sentence for a small bag of crack well, Coke or crack. Um, and so he goes on to tell us, you know, of course, that was the way for blacks in America at that particular time held, to be honest, is still like that, just about, where 
blacks always get the much lengthier sentence um, for drugs, you know, drug violations, whereas white people may get probation or they may get a year or two. Like I said, it's it was worse back then, but it's it hasn't really improved, honestly, too much now um, besides like for weed. Um, and it just depends on what state you live in, honestly, at that point and how much weed you get caught with. And so basically jail just became another form of punishment for a lot of blacks versus truly rehabilitating people. Right. And so he felt like jail just didn't prepare them to get back out into society and become something better than what they had got locked up for. And so he tells us that Bunky Ray was able to actually introduce him to a variety of genres when it comes to the books that he would read. Um, And so (laughs) Bunky Ray was asking him, you know, when he was reading one of Bunky's books, was it better than the comics? And he was like, "Uh uh-uh, no, nothing's better than the comics, but... This is interesting, but it's still not better than my comics. <laughs> so I just thought that was really cool. Like, yeah, the books that Bunky Ray was giving him definitely kept his interest. And so the um, the officers, the, the COs come in and they tell Bunky Ray that it's time for him to go. And he like, where I'm going? And so they tell him, you know, that he's being transferred to a supermax prison for reasons unknown. Um, And so as he's leaving, Bunky Ray is just yelling for Mike to call his sister and tell tell her what's going on, right? And so that just made Mike even more pissed. Um, So that's another chip on his shoulder. And so... You know, he he just had this hatred for the COs. And his new bunkie came in, and his name was Lloyd Franklin. And so when he comes in, he's like, yo, Mike. And Mike go up to him, and he's holding, like, this little uh, shank up to him. and Or is it called a sheave? Y'all know what I'm talking about when I say a shank. So he holds the shank up to him, and he like, you know, don't come in here on no BS, right? And so... Again, the initial first impression was not all that great, but they actually ended up having a really good friendship or a good relationship or a situationship because they were in jail. Bunky ship? <laughs> I'm tired, y'all. We gonna call it a bunky ship. <laughs> and so they were actually able to become close. And so they, they show this montage of Lloyd and... He's updated Mike on, you know, how much he's got on his commissary that he's telling him, you know, hey, some young lady sent you some pictures and man, you know, she ain't no look em. She ain't nothing to look at. But um, you can still sell that picture. And if you sell the picture, you know, you can get something in exchange um, from one of the other inmates, you know. And then it shows him selling cartons of smokes. It shows Mike getting his hair cut. And then it even showed him like on the phone with some girl and she's hooking up. Uh, he's hooking up one of his, you know, his homeboys. That's like an older white guy named Cephas. Um, and so he telling the girl on the phone, you know, like show my homeboy a good time, you know. 
So I hope she's not finna do that while uh, Mike is in the room. Maybe he'll turn his head or something while Cephas uh, enjoys his time on the phone with the lady. Uh, yeah. Okay, y'all. Do y'all remember those late night uh, promos where the girls would be like, just call 1-800-GIRLS. Um, and they'd have like on that lingerie or like they'd have on some real skimpy and shit. I'm lonely. I need somebody to talk to. You should call me. I know y'all remember those. I know y'all remember those. So when I saw that scene, it just, <laughs> it just reminded me of that, right? So anyway, I know y'all know what I'm talking about. I'm crazy. And so Mike tells us, you know, that he was living it up in there. And at that particular point in time, he could care less about training and, you know, making sure that he was still in shape. And so we slowly begin, like I said, to see his mindset change to the complete opposite, um, where initially he was scared to go in and he was like, oh my God, I'm finna have to do this six year bid. Like nobody's gonna want to deal with me once I get out, I'm gonna be 31. Like nobody has ever been able to come back and become champ after, you know, at this old age of 31, da, da, da. But now we start to see his mindset change to where he's looking at the outside world like he that's a reality he just didn't want to face. It's another prison for him. And so even though he kept pushing his luck with doing all of this um, illegal shit off in there as far as like commissary and having the phones like the contraband and and doing all of this like they never um violated him he never got in trouble he never got wrote up instead what they ended up doing was they they kept shaving time off of his sentence and so you know he basically ended up getting released for good behavior but he just he just wasn't ready to face the world on the outside and so it's 1994 and Mike is in a prison honey and like I said he just still running wild he doing everything, y'all. He's selling the triple X-rated tapes, the magazines, like the nudies, all of that, Playboys, weapons. Like, he got a gun off in there. It's just all types of contraband. And so he's doing his business in, like, the mosque area that they have set up for the Muslims. Um, and so he was like, you know, they practice. They practice, and... As long as they stay out of my way, I stay out of their way. We don't really talk to each other, but they know what I'm doing in here. We just don't bother each other. And so then one day, uh, one of the brothers overhears Mike talking about a phone, right? And so then once the other guy leaves, he tells Mike that, you know, hey, that phone ain't going to be no good in here. And he was like, yes, it is. Like, it's a brand new phone you're talking about. And so then he tells Mike, it ain't going to be no good because there's no signal out here, crazy. And so he also throws it out there to Mike that he noticed that although he does business in there, you know, he set up his shop in there, he always manages to stay for prayer. And so then he actually invites Mike to join them, you know, when they pray. But there's only one rule. You have to make sure that you remove your shoes first. And, <laughs> and by this time, honey, Mike got on these shiny ass red shoes. So he's got the invitation from one of the other inmates. 
So it looks like Mike might be headed in the right direction or he's, you know, at least starting to hang around a good crowd, a good group of people that, you know, have their heads on straight seemingly. And so, um, Mike goes on to tell us, you know, that the nation of Islam had a major impact on him. And once he was released, he was introduced to a brother named Captain Joe. And Captain Joe was one of them people that taught Malcolm X everything that he knows. He was Elijah Muhammad's bestie. Like, they were super tight. And so, (laughs) this funny scene actually happens. And so, Don King, while he's telling us all about Captain Joe, Don is in the back, in the background. And he's on the phone, and he's talking to somebody about, you know, how... They need him, how he makes them all of this money, MF for this, MF for that. This, that, and the third, right? So then he gets off the phone and he's walking to the kitchen and Mike is sitting at the counter, like the counter space, and Captain Joe is behind the counter. So I'm assuming Captain Joe done made Mike a bean pie because Don is like, shit, I'm hungry. And uh, Mike is like, you know, this this bean pie is actually pretty good if you want to try it. And Don... (laughs) Honey, you can look at Don Belly and tell you can tell he ain't he ain't getting full off no damn bean pie. And so that's basically what he tell Mike. He was like, I don't want no damn bean pie. That ain't gonna get me full. And so he goes in the refrigerator and he grabs like either some bacon or some pork chops or something. And he was he was talking to Captain Joe and was like, Hey, cook this. And Captain Joe was like, you know, I don't touch no damn pork. Like you, you know better. Why you, why you trying me today? And so then he was like, oh, okay. You ain't gonna, you ain't gonna fry this up for me. Well, then you fire, Craig. (laughs) Why the hell he do that? So Captain Joe is walking out and he pats Mike on the back. And Mike is like, I'm sorry. And so... He was like, Don, why you do that for? And so Don is just trying to insert his power, honey. He th- or at least that's what he think he's doing. And so he's walking Mike out to um out to the door. Well, he's walking him to the door. And he's telling him, you know, don't worry. Um, HBO will be giving me a call, you know, just kind of sit back for a couple of days. Everything's gonna be good, right? And so once they get to the door, honey. Don opened up that door and it's a group of brothers. It's it's like 30 of them. And they done pulled up in their car. I don't know how he didn't hear none of these folks because it's a it's like three or four cars out there. Like they standing right out there waiting. And they, they got the straps. They they got the big straps. They got the rifles, right? And so um one of the guys was like, now. Captain Joe don't get terminated. He's never getting terminated. If anyone is going to be terminated, it's going to be you. And so Mike told us, you know, after that day, honey, Don never messed with Captain Joe. So I guess Captain Joe got fired and then rehired, honey. You ain't going to mess with his coin. And so I just thought that, <laughs> I thought this scene was funny. It was real cute. And so, um, Mike goes on to tell us, you know, more about the the Brothers of Islam um, and the more specifically the group of brothers that he was that he was around within the prison. Right. 
And so he tells us that they were super educated, but they, they weren't nothing to mess with. And so they show him having a conversation with Iman, Imam. I'm sorry, I, I probably did slaughter that. I'm going to say Imam. And so his name is Imam Sadiq. And so he um, was the guy who initially invited Mike to stay for prayer. And so he's talking to Imam and he's eating while they're sitting on the floor. I'm assuming this is after prayer. And he tells Imam, you know, hey, because he he looking at Mike like, what are you eating? And Mike tells him, you know, that this chicken is not pork. And so he was like, oh, my God, I just feel so tired. Um, You know, I just ain't been eating right. I ain't been training this, that and the third. And so Imam was just like, yeah, but when are you going to address the flabby spirit that you have on you? You know, and so he was like, whenever you ready. I'm here for you whenever you decide that you want to pursue more than something basic. Okay. And so with his help and motivation, Mike was able to basically whip himself back into shape, um, both spiritually and physically, which was good for him because that's what he needed. Um, but with him only having like six months left on his bid, he was really nervous about getting released because he knew Don was like hyping everybody up for his return. Right. And so he was really afraid to disappoint everybody. Um, really more specifically Don and the people that he cares about. And so he ended up reaching out to Dr. Maya Angelou for some advice, right? And I didn't I did not know that that all of that had happened, but again, this is before I was born or a little bit after I was born. So how would I know? <laughs> and so um he basically confides in her all of his fears of living up to the hype and he um Despite all of those fears, he manages to find solace in training and he's been reading and he's just trying to get back on the right track. And so she asked him a very thought provoking question like, who will he be when he's not their champ anymore? And so he thought about it, but he never responded. And so she did for him. And so she told him, you know, you're more than a champ. You know, you're you're an individual with feelings and you have to live your life. You can't just be living out here for everybody else. You got to you got to figure your own stuff out and do what makes you happy. And so they ended up getting a picture together and this fool. I swear they they deal with some serious topics on here, but then they just do some some funny scenes and it makes it that much more um, palatable to deal with. And so or more palatable to digest. And so after they snap this picture and have this heavy conversation, he's talking to one of his homeboys in his cell. And, he, you know, the homeboy is like, yeah, Maya Angelou, man, she she down for the culture, man. She always be putting in work, you know. And so Mike was like 50. And the guy was like, 50 what? And he was like, $50 for this picture. If you want, if you want it, you can have it. So this fool does sell his picture of him and my Angela. And guess what he sold it for, y'all? He sold it for some damn donuts. Because according to him, honey, they are a hot commodity in jail. And him getting them donuts was better than him trying to keep that memory of him and Maya Angelou taking that picture together. So there you go. 
I just thought that was super hilarious. But he does tell us that although he sold the picture for $50, you know, that her words stuck with him forever. And so he's talking to Imam on his last day before he gets released. And he's telling him that everybody is waiting on this one Mike Tyson to get released. And he's like, yeah, but who is Mike Tyson? And he tells us, you know, Mike Tyson ain't shit. But according to Don King, that guy's worth $100 million. Let him tell it, right? And so then the guy's like, you know, why is Mike Tyson not shit? And so he tells him that although he feels like he's getting signs from Allah, you know, that he needs to leave the old world of boxing behind and everything that comes with it, you know, as far as the fame and the fortune, the drugs, the girls, all of that, he needs to leave all of that behind he does not know what to do next. He has no idea which direction to head in. And so what is he supposed to do? And so Imam tells him, you know, that he serves no one but Allah. And because of that, he can choose his path, his next, his next option, and do whatever he wishes. And so when he's getting released... Of course, he's welcomed back by all of these adoring fans, right? Waiting on him to come out. Um, he's also welcomed back by Don and the crew. And a flurry of thoughts are running through his head, right? A mile a minute. And so he's thinking to himself, he doesn't want to die back in the lifestyle that came with boxing. But he doesn't want to return to the streets. Like he feels like if he doesn't do boxing, then he's got no other options to, to live, it's like, you know, how when guys are growing up, they're like, shoot, I need to get in the NBA. I need to be a rapper. I need to do something because if not, I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to fall subject to these streets. And it, it ain't no good outcome sometimes living out here in these streets. And so I just feel like he felt like that was his option, his only option. And so it was just really sad. And so... He he really did want to be the elevated man that Bunky Ray and Imam, you know, helped him become while he was in prison, but he just don't know how. And he needs to figure out something, and he got to figure out something real quick. And so that was the end of the episode, y'all. I really did like the episode. I did feel like he's he's trying to change for the better. Um... But ironically, even though he's aggressive in the ring, he's not aggressive with telling people how he feels, how he truly feels. And so I just thought that was crazy how he's having this internal battle with himself, um, which we all do at some point, um, you know, when it comes to certain situations. But I just felt really bad for him. And so hopefully, um, well, we know what happens. But he'll turn it around eventually. But overall, it was a really good episode. Um, although some of it was filler, we were able to see how well Mike could actually adapt to his environment. Um, and then we were also able to see how the, you know, his worlds were complete opposite for for him mentally. But they also had some similarities, right? So like with some of the people that that we ran into on this episode, like Bunky Ray and Imam, 
they could be seen in a similar light as cuz, right? Because they encouraged him to be something better than what they initially saw when they met him on first impression, right? So that was great that they encouraged him, but they were complete opposites because Cus saw him as a monster on one end. And Imam and Bunky Ray just saw him as a black man who was trying to find his way. And so then we also even saw, at least to me, I felt like similarities between Lloyd and Don. Lloyd was helping him, you know, get better with handling his money and his business and all that. But at the same token, he was also profiting off of what Mike was doing in there. So I'm just glad that they were able to show us those similarities and differences. Like I said, it was a really good episode. But let me know what you think. What do you think about it? How do you feel about all of this, right? Um... If you've ever been in this type of situation before, did you feel like you had the same struggles to, you know, either be one way so you could survive, you know, and thrive or go back to to old habits um, and go the opposite direction of what you knew was right in order for you to survive? So just let me know what you think. You can always reach out to me at... um my tv reviews podcast um at gmail.com you can also reach me at me and you tv reviews on both facebook and instagram y'all just talk to me i talk to you back you know you can also uh do a review on whatever streaming service you're listening to um for the podcast and let them know what you think of your girl hopefully i'll get some good ratings I hope I hope I make it a little bit better for y'all. Hopefully we can agree on a lot of stuff. <laughs> there will be some differences, but hopefully we see eye to eye on most of this stuff. Um <laughs> But yeah, just reach out to me. I'll talk back to you. Um Yeah. So until we meet over the airways again, I am your girl Mo. I hope you guys have a really, really, really wonderful rest of your day. And until we meet over the airways again, I'll talk to you soon. Bye.